Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. To our loyal listeners, you know there's a signature question that I ask every guest on this podcast. That question is, what is a marketing hill you would die on? Well, we've curated the most compelling responses and packed them into this episode for a masterclass from the brightest minds in marketing. Let's dive in. We're starting off with an episode from the archive that's pure gold. Because when you understand the science behind marketing, you can make even smarter tactical decisions. In this clip, Phil Agnew, the host of the consumer psychology podcast Nudge, reveals his number one marketing hill he would die on. Most marketers when they're, and this was me as well, when you're given a problem to solve, one of the first things you do to look for inspiration is to just have a look at how your competitors are trying to solve that problem. It's to look at your peers within the industry. And I think that's a surefire way to make your brand distinct and to make your, your product stink and to make your marketing bland and unimaginable. I think marketers who look at people within their field and industry peers, for examples, only end up creating bland marketing that doesn't stand up and is has led to a real sea of sameness in a lot of the industries that you look in. I think marketers who, when they're faced with a problem, come at it from a behavioral science angle, maybe an illogical angle like Rory Sutherland suggests, and try and figure out how to solve that problem, not from a company point of view, but from a consumer point of view. Like how could a consumer, how will the consumer be affected by the thing we create to solve this problem? They'll end up creating something much, much better one of my sort of favorite nudges is, is anchoring. Anchoring is the idea that you um, change your decision based on the reference point that you're given. And the most famous example of this is, is the diamond company, De Beers. Back in the 1930s, nobody bought diamond engagement rings. Only 10% of engagement rings were diamond. It just wasn't something that people did. It wasn't a habit. And they came up with an ad which said something along the lines of, um, how can you make like uh, a diamond lasts forever or no, what was it? Let me, I've got it here somewhere. That's it. How can you make two months salary last forever by a diamond engagement ring? There's such smart anchoring in there, which is you're suggesting that an engagement ring should cost two months salary. And it never previously did. Nobody ever spent that much money on an engagement ring before. People just spent a couple of hundred bucks. But De Beers were the first to suggest, well, how can you make two months' salary last forever? Spend two months on your engagement ring. Um, and following that, following that campaign, which by the way has been running for over hundred, like over 80 years now, they've been using a variation on how can you make X amount of your month's salary last forever by a diamond engagement ring. You know, everybody now buys diamond engagement rings. And there's no way that the beers would have had that success by copying their competitors or doing something similar to what their competitors are doing, or even following the marketing textbook and talking about product benefits. The only way they got that engagement was by applying a bit of behavior science, by looking at how people make decisions 
and thinking, well, diamond and wedding rings, diamond and engagement ring cost a lot. We need to use an anchor to try and make that price seem more appealing. So they use the anchor of two months salary. This next clip is one of my personal faves with Roy Sutherland, the vice chairman of Ogilvy UK and best-selling author. Roy shares his top marketing hill to die on. And it's one you'll probably never guess. Don't try and be the best at one thing. Be really good at two interconnected things. And Scott Adams has written a whole piece about this, which is really interesting, which is, okay, if I, I can't, I'm just trying to remember the analogy he uses, but it's kind of like if you can play, I don't know, let's say you're really good at playing the bassoon, but you're also really good at technology and recording equipment, okay? You've got a whole variety of fairly unique combinatorial skills that you can deploy combining those two things, right? Now, if you try and now, there are a few people, and they're very bad role models, I'd argue, who we venerate for being absolutely brilliant at one thing only. Okay. And if you're lucky enough to be a tennis player who just by dint of your innate talent is just better than any other tennis player. But most of you who try and do this thing, in fact, almost by definition, all but about 20 of you who try and do this will basically fail. Okay. Whereas if you try and develop an interesting combination of two skills, two things happen. One, you're much more resilient because you can actually shift your weight from one to the other. But secondly, you're also much more distinctive and much more unique because there's probably nobody else in the world who's as good at you as at combining these two disparate, not totally disparate things. I'm not saying, you know, but um, very interesting. Matthew Syed is a journalist in the UK. Uh, he's kind of a behavioral scientist, but he was also the best ping pong player table tennis player in Britain for a period of about 10 years. And so he's combined a lot of stuff from sports psychology with behavioral science. And it gives him not only a unique perspective in sports psychology, it gives him a unique perspective on the world, which is why he's now a you know, best-selling author and a highly acclaimed London Times journalist. Because his perspective, the direction from which he comes, is just fundamentally oblique, and it enables him to see things that nobody else can. As the head of content at Clary, Devin Reed always brings his A-game to the content marketing world. So what's his top marketing here? Let's hear what he has to say. Philosophically, the problem a lot of content marketing teams have, and this is not their fault, this is the expectation set on them, is that it's a volume game. If we had more webinars, if we had more social media posts, if we had more blogs, we would be better off. The truth is, if you look across your content marketing or content strategy today, there's probably kind of like sales reps where that's like the sales team has like 20% of the team does 80% of the revenue and vice versa. So to me, it's instead of trying to go super wide, multiple channels, you know, multiple personas, you know, all that stuff, try to do everything at once, be really focused and nail content market fit on like one channel or one persona. And that's what we did, you know, at Gone with the research blog, right? We knew we had a great, you know, we knew we had the right topics, we had a differentiator with data, and we delivered it over LinkedIn and just, or, you know, published on LinkedIn, delivered via email. That alone was stronger than majority of content engines out there, even companies much bigger, much more well-funded. And that's because we knew what worked. And then we took that and scaled it to video, to LinkedIn, to webinars, so on and so forth. So I think it's kind of important, like find gold, right? Uh, find where there's gold in those hills is what I tell my team. 
and then go get a bunch of dynamite, blow it up and get all the gold out of it before you move on to the next spot. My good friend Snow is a customer first marketer with over nine years of SaaS experience. So her perspective is definitely a unique point of view that I think you will all enjoy. People always have a template for messaging in their mind when they're writing anything. And this is what it is. Value, proof point, call to action. I hear that all the time. The hill that I die on is no. (laughs) The reason why I say no is you're not answering actually any questions with that. If you are writing messaging, the first thing you have to ask is what is the person thinking when they are reading this, when they are listening to you? And are you answering those questions? Because if not, you just are producing content that looks like everybody else. Everyone is going value, proof, call to action. And people are going to pick up on that rhythm really, really fast, especially if you're implementing it on every single blurb in your website. I cannot tell you how many marketing sites I've gone to where the hero image, what is it? We fuel revenue growth. We are a platform that it's going to make your team easier to do X. Get a free trial. Every single one is that way. Even even the, the, the flashy ones that we like to say are good examples. And then you keep reading, every other blurb is the same thing. Every section is the same thing. And so for me, the hill that I'm gonna die on, if you've got a template that works every time, it doesn't work every time. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.